And at that six month mark, when I had my foot out the door, um, one of my coworkers said, Hey, I'm competing in a barista competition. Why don't you come out and, and support and, and check it out? And I was like, all right, cool. I'll check it out. Welcome to the Coffee Snobs podcast, where we just really love good coffee. Grab your cup of coffee and join us each episode as we explore any and everything coffee-related. From pour-overs to lattes to the coffee experience, we explore it all. Because, well, life's too short to drink bad coffee. Let's go. Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Coffee Snops Podcast. Uh, like always, it's me, Tyler, and Aaron, but we are super excited to have a very special guest today, Mr. Uh, Lim Butler, one of the co-owners of Black and White Coffee Roasters out of the Raleigh area. Hello, Lim. Hello. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is super exciting uh, that... We've we've talked about it for a while to have uh, Lim on, but man, if you're in the coffee, you know about black and white, and it's it's very exciting to have him on. Yes, let's just do a real quick uh, intro, Mr. Lim. He's been in the Research Triangle area for quite a while. He is a five-time Southeast uh, Barista Champ. I think it was 2005, 2007. 2010, 2012, and 2014, and actually, Lim was a 2016 World Barista Champion. So, basically, we are uh, yeah. you're way out of our league, Lim. You know a lot more about coffee than we do. So. <laughs> Man, you did your you did your homework. I don't even know if I remember those dates for those uh, regional. Lim, just wait till as this episode goes on, and you'll find that we have uncovered We're, every stone possible. Uh, because you're known as the people's champion, and I think you even uh, in one of the articles that you did, uh, you called yourself, uh, and I think that was your exit letter uh, in the champion, but uh, you called yourself the people's champion. We'll find out more about that, uh, but we always start the, the episode off with what's in your cup. And we would like to know, Lim, at this moment, what coffees are you drinking and what are you into right now? Uh, well, I'm actually drinking some coffee from Ethiopia, uh, the birthplace of coffee. Uh, this is a coffee that, um, you know, uh, well, Ethiopian coffees right now are very scarce because they're not in season. Um, so this coffee isn't the best. Uh, representation of um, washed Ethiopian coffees, but it is delicious. So, I mean, that's one of my favorites. Anything from Ethiopia. Um, and then my second favorite would probably be something from uh, Colombia. See, I knew this was going to be, this was going to be so exciting. We tell, that's Good the company. that's our on-ramp for any <laughs> coffee snob or somebody that's getting interested in coffee. We say, hey, go Ethiopian, start there, and uh, that's really exciting. So, okay, Tyler, get us into this episode. Yeah, um, well, Lim, so currently you are uh, you started, I think, in 2017, black and white, uh, and I think your partner's name is Kyle. So we've had we've had lots of that stuff. Actually, uh, Aaron and I just recently, when I was up in that area, I grabbed a bag of the uh, the Panama the Geisha blend you guys had recently, the 
think of. Oh wow, that yeah. was a nice one. Yeah. No, well, that was going to say that that Panama coffee that you got was actually uh, the genesis of, of black and white coffee roasters. Um, with, with that coffee uh, had had got me. Well, that farmer's his coffees uh, helped me win the United States Barista Championship in 2016. Um, and put me back in, uh, you know, communication with Kyle. And uh, we both went to uh, Dublin in the, the World Barista Competition. And, and uh, he coached me and I had a place fourth in, in the world. And that farmer, uh, he was actually um, there with us in, in Dublin. And then um, Kyle got the bug to compete again and asked me to coach him. And he used the same farmer in 2017. And, and won the U.S. Barista Championship, and then we went to uh, Seoul, Korea, and he placed sixth in the world. And the farmer followed us out there as well. Wow! Um, so that that's a that's an actually special coffee that that he has, um, and that's one of our first like direct. I mean, this is like super direct. Uh, this guy uh, Jose Gallardo, he he uh, airships coffee to us uh, whenever we need it. Uh, it's the more expensive option than, than traveling by water, but when you know when we have such a demand for his coffees, we, we try to get it in as, as quick as possible. But uh, yeah, Jose wow. Gallardo is is an amazing guy, and that kind of started that whole conversation of starting black and white coffee roasters. That's wow, that's awesome. Okay, before we get super deep into coffee, I want to just ask, how was it opening for Outcast and the Roots? And play like seriously, like when when I was doing my deep dive, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Outcast, and I, if I'm not mistaken, one of your si- si- signature beverages was named after an Outcast song. Is that is that correct? Like, I, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Cadillac, yes. Music, mm-hmm. <laughs> what I call it, Cadillac coffee. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's seriously, yeah, like, so, that's wild. Man. You were in a band. Um, <laughs> how did you get started from going from music to coffee? Uh, well, I mean, my my whole like life was pretty much dictated by my parents. You know, you're going to go to college. You're going to go to law school. Um, and, you know, I yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I just followed what my parents said. I was the first to go to college. Um, high school was a breeze for me, but when I got to college, I, I guess that was like <laughs> the real world with education. Yeah. The Chapel and Hill, is that right? I, I hated it. Yeah, yeah, UNC Chapel Hill. Um, I hated it. I was distracted by everything that came along with college other than books. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I, I kind of struggled through my first couple years. Then I took a few years off, went to Boston and worked up there for a while. Um, before I left, I, I pledged a fraternity, and in that fraternity, there was uh, one of my brothers who DJed. And you know, with a music background from like you know sixth grade to high school, uh, I would I gravitated towards you know playing music, and uh, he taught me everything he knew about DJing. And when I took a hiatus from from school, you know, I I, I went away, kind of didn't do music at all. And then when I came back to school, I was like, yeah, I got my head straight, I'm ready to finish this up. But again. Um, got distracted. I, I started a music and video store. I started DJing a lot. And then I started a band with these uh, these jazz musicians that I met 
um, it was a hip hop band. I, I produced a lot of music for like rappers and R and B singers. And I had like all these samples, tons of samples. And when these jazz musicians heard these samples, they were like, oh, we can play that. And it, it just turned into like these tracks that we, we created. And we started a band called Sankofa. Um, and we were fortunate enough to like, you know, travel a lot and open for some really cool acts like Buster Rhymes, Slick Rick, um, Outkast, The Roots. Whenever The Roots came to North Carolina, they called us up and wanted us to open for them. Wow. And Gosh, dude, that's yeah, it was, it, was, it, was pretty, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, and, you know, we were doing great and on our own. And then when Sony got involved, uh, we started losing creative control of the band. And it was going in a direction that I didn't want to go personally. So I stepped away. But by me stepping away, the band just kind of fell apart. And um, we just didn't do any more shows. But um, that led me into uh, uh, coffee, which was uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah. I continued to DJ and everything, and uh, I ended up uh, because of that connection with the band and opening up for you know different acts. Um, this one guy who had a club here in Raleigh, um, he did like all kinds of like sound for different shows, and he called me up and said, "Hey, I need an opener." Um, this night uh and i was like cool i didn't even ask who it was i just showed up and when i got there i was like well who am i opening for he was like uh dave Chappelle." i said like, are you kidding me I'm like, oh, my what? oh my gosh <laughs> so, I, oh. so i opened for dave Chappelle in raleigh at monday hall uh which was pretty cool man it was, it was pretty pretty dope but uh yeah so that music career continued like slowly into coffee uh and when i started competing uh, especially like, you know, being from the Southeast and when uh, Nationals was going to be in Atlanta that year in 2016, I was like, well, I'm going to make a, you know, a tribute to Outkast yeah. and, you know, the whole Southeast thing. So my signature drink, I always named my signature drinks. And that year I named it uh, Southern Playlistic Cadillac Coffee Man. <laughs> after one of those hey. songs. So, it was good to you. So, okay, so you got music. Yeah. But, but where did you... Like I'm trying to follow along in the journey. Like you're a you're a very uh like a very good barista, but you also know so much about coffee. So where was the on ramp from music to coffee? Um, because it, I I think a lot of times the coffee industry gets a bad rep, except especially coffee nerds and coffee snobs like we are. Yeah, that you have to like. You've got to do your due diligence or know, you know, all the origins and all the complexities. And, and from what it sounds like is, like, you grassroots and and started potentially from the bottom. Is that is that correct? Oh, definitely, man. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't even going to be in coffee for longer than, like, six months. You know, I was like, oh. yeah, this is just a job. Because I was, I was DJing at night. Uh, I was DJing, like, four or five nights a week. And then, you know, I, I added coffee uh, as like a supplement to my income. And, you know, I, I figured I'd stick around for like six months, maybe a year. And at that six month mark, when I had my foot out the door, um, one of my coworkers said, Hey, I'm competing in a barista competition. Why don't you come out and, and support and, and check it out? And I was like, all right, cool. I'll check it out. And dude, when I walked in there, I was, I was at that time, I was big into like 
Iron Chef and all these cooking shows. And when I walked into this uh, this this uh, competition area, there was like three stations, espresso machines. There was an MC. It was just like pandemonium for coffee. And I was like, yo, I got to be a yeah. part of this. It was like so much energy right. in this room uh, around coffee. And I think that energy is the same energy that I feel when I'm behind the decks at a party. Gotcha. You know, you've got all eyes on you. Yep. You're driving the energy in the club. Um, and it's the same thing with, you know, these presentations. I mean, you're only getting 15 minutes, but you have everyone's attention you're driving the energy of the presentation. Yeah. You've got four judges, the best palates in the region, tasting your coffee, giving you feedback on your skills. And that was like super dope. And you get to like, you know, set the music for the whole 15 minute presentation. Uh-huh. So that, that whole like, you know, presentation and performance piece with DJing. Yeah. Um, translated really well for me in, in coffee, in the, the competitions. Yeah, that's super exciting. I have a good friend, Zach Stamey, who's also in the coffee game, and we were talking, I think. Oh, I know Zach. Yeah, so he's in our area, and we, uh, like, love what he's doing with Roseful, and, and, but when he was doing his competitions, I would, I, he came to the our studio, and we chatted, and just talking about the presentation, how a lot of times the overlook of the competition is as much importance of the of the presentation as it is, you know, the the making of the drink because you just can't keep your head down and make a drink. You got to keep the entertainment going. And from what it sounds like for you, that yeah. was a collision of two worlds because you were already in the the DJing and, and setting the environment, and then now you just got to uh, put coffee with it. Uh, and so, dude, that's super exciting! Wow. Super impressive, like that whole competition. I mean, they're basically looking for, you know, that coffee professional to represent the U.S. on the world stage because only one person per country can go. Wow. And so it's it's more than just knowing uh, the coffee. Your whole personality has to come through in your presentation so they can see exactly who you are. Uh, and see if you're that type of person to represent the U.S., especially coffee market. And if you're not, then they give you all this incredible feedback yeah. on your scores. You get to talk to the judges afterwards. And here's the places where you need to improve. And, you know, some people, you know, they've, they've, they've won the national competition after competing for a couple of years. Yep. And, it, I mean, it took me like eight, eight seasons, my eighth season. Wow. You know, I finally won and made it to the world stage. So, you know, people move at their own pace, yep. but, you know, the judges are there to help you along that journey. And I think the journey was the my favorite part of the whole, you know, winning thing. Uh, 2016 was, you know, just a drop in a hat compared to, you know, the, the whole eight seasons of me, like, preparing and, and improving my skills and getting better and becoming that, uh, that that quote unquote people's chance. I, I, I didn't quote that. I didn't make that up. Somebody, somebody told me that I was people's champ, but, um, <laughs> well, that, I would, that I would agree with them. Pieces, just people's like, champ. Isn't that the rock? <laughs> and, and WWF. So, so, Liam, right? <laughs> so you started, you said you were just as a side hustle, like a barista and didn't really know much about coffee. I think you worked for counterculture out of Durham for like for 10 years. So how did you progress from knowing nothing to, you know, being a five-time regional chant, like where did you really start learning about coffee? Was it working in the shops, working with baristas? Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah. So when, when I saw that first competition, I realized, well, I need to stick around for another year if I want to compete in this thing. So I continued in coffee. Um, I got better behind the bar, but my knowledge of coffee was still not, um, it, it, it still wasn't great, you know? Uh, so, so when I p- competed for the first time out of 25 competitors that year, I placed 23rd. Um, so that meant I had to stick around for another year cause I, <laughs> I wasn't going to settle for 23rd, you know? Uh, I didn't even make it to national. That was just the, the regional competition. And so what I, I did was I went over to counterculture. Um, we were used at the shop where I worked, we were using their coffee. Um, and counterculture had this education program that you could, mm-hmm. you know, if you were a wholesale account, you could sign up for free. And Sydney Lubickson, uh, back then she was Sydney Chang. Um, she was basically the educator at, at counterculture, her and, uh, Peter Giuliano. And I took classes with them and I basically, like, I was that dude that pestered them all the time asking questions. Uh, how do I get better? How do I get better in for competition? And Sydney took me under her wing uh, and coached me um, that entire year uh, that that I was preparing for this the second time I was competing, which was 2005, and I won the regional. Um, and it just started this kind of rabbit hole of I would need to learn more and more uh, because after I won that regional. Um, because you win a regional, the sponsor, uh, they cover your travel and uh, lodging to go to represent the region in nationals. And that year, uh, regional uh, nationals was in Charlotte. So uh, okay. counterculture was like, well, he won the regional and that would give him an all expense paid trip to Charlotte. Charlotte. Wow, that's <laughs> exciting. So, <laughs> that's funny. So that's- they, Sydney... Cindy was like, uh, I'm going to team up with the owner of, of the shop where I work, uh, the Daily Grind. Um, Jane Brown was the owner. And they were like, well, he just won the regional. Let's take him to, to uh, Nicaragua with us. And so they took me to Nicaragua. Wow. And that's when, you know, things really started to click because uh, I was out of the shop. I can see, I learned everything about you know, roasting a little bit about coffee varieties and processing, uh, from counterculture and Cindy, uh, Cindy. And, and then they take me to Nicaragua and I see everything in context and it was pretty cool. Uh, and one of the, what was also cool about that trip was I studied, um, I was a political science, uh, major at UNC. So I studied, um, central, um, American politics and I studied like the civil war in Nicaragua and when I got there, um, all these farmers that were in this co-op, they were former, um, you know, fighters in the Civil War. So the, you had the Sandinistas, the former Sandinistas. If they were farmers, they had their red and black flags flying on their farms. And if they were Contras, they had the blue and white flags flying on their uh, farms. And they were working together in this co-op. And I thought that was so dope. These guys, like years ago, were fighting against each other. And now they're working together in the name of coffee uh, to get their, their coffee to the markets. And that was pretty dope. That was a really cool experience. And, you know, it just opened, you know, more doors of like, okay, I need to learn more and more. So uh, I wanted to continue competing. And uh, after four years in the cafe, um, you know, I, I'd gone from barista to trainer to general manager. And then, 
you know, my next step was to go to a roastery and, and learn uh, everything I could about roasting coffee. And there was an opportunity at Counterculture where I started in production, way at the bottom, just bagging, bagging coffee for a couple of years. And then I moved into uh, customer support. So it was just like this rabbit hole that I just kept falling deeper and deeper into. Uh, and then eventually I let uh, music go because you know, it was just tough to DJ at night, getting home at three, four in the morning, and then getting up at seven to go pack coffee. <laughs> wow. It was just tough. All right, guys, sorry to cut this short, but at this point in the interview, Lynn starts to talk about uh, Black and White, how it was founded, a lot of their uh, business practices and principles. So we figured that would be a, a good segue for part two of this interview. So uh, we're going to wrap this up for part one today, and we will have part two of the Lim and Black and White interview coming to you in just a few short days. So for Aaron and Tyler and the Coffee Snobs and Lim at Black and White, we will see you on the next show.